With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome to another edition of the Anfield Index Writers Podcast. I am Tom Holmes, and unfortunately, my lovely co-host Leanne cannot be joining us this week. She is very, very deep in exam fever, as as those uni students are wont to do. But to make up for her not being here, I have got two fantastic guests to join me all the way from the US of A. It is AI Writers regular Adam Patrician. Adam, how are you, mate? Not too bad. I'm actually in Spain today, but I like to keep you guessing, Tom. <laughs> yeah, living in Spain, but obviously American by trade, as you can guess from the accent. And um, a little bit closer to home, we've got another brilliant regular on this show, Joe Norton. Joe, how are you, mate? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Tom. Looking forward to uh, the two articles we're going to discuss today. Should be, uh, should be a good debate. Yeah, we've got a couple of cracking articles, and we are going to jump straight in because... Joe, you've written a superb article on injury-prone players. And this is a point that I've been, maybe not banging on about, but this is a point that I've made a couple of times because I, I really think it's a really interesting debate. So I'll let you kick off with talking us about your, telling us about your article, what sort of inspired you to do it, what your conclusions were, and anything you want to pick out before we get going. Yeah, so obviously we've had this debate a few times on the show. Uh, me and you particularly discussed it, talking about, although we do have a, a squad that has doesn't have a lot of depth, in it, one of our main problems probably is that a lot of the players in that squad are actually quite injury prone. So Klopp's had to manage a lot of players' uh, game time a lot more carefully than perhaps you'd like to. Um, and obviously the uh, scenario in midfield at the minute with only three fit sort of experienced midfielders really goes to highlight highlight the problems we've got. And it's not just because people people have picked up injuries that we perhaps weren't expecting. Uh, the likes of the Lana. Uh, is frequently injured, although he, I do really like him as a player. You can't really rely on him to be fit when you need him. And at a crucial point of the season, when he was just coming back against Palace, he thought, right, he's going to come in and he's really going to help the team out. But obviously picking up that injury against Crystal Palace, it means that Klopp has really had to sort of manage the midfield we've had, which has probably sort of resulted in his dropping points when we probably wouldn't have done um, if he would have been in Champions League. So it's basically just talk, talking about that. Uh, I'll go through sort of the various different uh, breakdowns of the team. I think the two main areas, as I've just said, is midfield and then also defence. Lauren and Matt, Matty, although the sort of jury or there's question marks over both of the both of their ability and when they should be starting regularly next season. What can't be denied is both of them have injury issues. If we just look at the three years, um, look at the last three years, Lovren's missed 32 games. Which equates to 21% of games, which for a centre back is a lot, a lot of game time. And Matip, again, he's missed 28, which equates to 15%. So we're talking about players who we'd like to hope we could rely on because up until Van Dyke came, they were probably our first choice pairing. And the reality is 
that both of them get injured quite frequently, so we can't sort of build or Klopp, Klopp can't rely on them to be fit when he needs to be. And this is a massive, massive problem if we're going to be playing the Champions League regularly, which hopefully we will do um, next season. And then we need players who not 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 that only good enough to be in the squad, but who can take take sort of the strain of playing three games a week. And everyone's body's different, so you've got to accept that someone like Ox, quite an explosive explosive player, Mane, they, they their game time just needs to be managed. But there's certain players who, if you've got too many of those type of players who are injury prone, and Klopp doesn't really have a sort of spine of a team that he can work around, and it just makes it very difficult. And uh, my opinion is is that if we don't sort of get rid of a few of these players, then we're going to end up in a scenario where we've got a fairly big squad, but a squad that we know we can't really rely on, which is a huge problem. Uh, so I thought it was quite an interesting debate at the, uh, to bring up uh, at the minute. Um, obviously because of getting to the Champions League final, I don't think Klopp, Klopp or the sport expected to get this far and the squad is nowhere near uh, big enough to deal with it and couple that with the uh, sort of players and the injury prone nature of them then we're start, starting to see a real problem so I really do think that in the summer Klopp's going to have to make some tough decisions and although he is uh, a man who's very loyal to his players there's certain players who because of the, their injury prone nature uh, he might have to get rid of yeah, a really interesting, really interesting start there. I mean, there's, you know, there's, as you said, there's a, some really interesting specifics and some really interesting general points to bring out of that. Uh, before I give my opinion and before we dig into some of those specific numbers or specific opinions, I'm going to let Adam give his overall opinion on the article and his overall impression on whether or not we have too many injury prone players. Yeah, great work on the article. You know, I, I've talked about this a lot. Uh, in my articles over the past year as well. I mean, going into the last transfer window, this was a topic that I focused on a lot. And, you know, for me, I thought coming off of a really good stretch for storage at the end of last year that we should have sort of uh, taken the money and run at that point and, uh, and moved on from him as well as some of the other injury-prone players that you mentioned, uh, you know, Lallana we've seen with him and even Henderson. Um, and, uh, you know, Henderson and, and Oxley chamberlain have... Uh, performed better in terms of their uh, injuries this season versus uh, past seasons. Obviously, it's unfortunate what's happened to Ox just recently, but um, that's not really like a wear and tear injury, I don't think. But um, anyway, I, you know, I just, I, I hate, I also just feel terrible that it, it sort of, it ends up coming down to the English players and why that happens, God knows. But <laughs> these guys, they just really need to be rotated out for the better of the club and um, you know it's also just unfortunate they tend to be like the guys that are some of the best personalities in the club whether it's Danny Ings or Sturridge or any of these guys and um, yeah I mean we have the depth in terms of just listing the names on a chart or on a spreadsheet or however you want to do it um, we actually do have the numbers uh, they're just not healthy a large amount of the time and the injuries tend to come and and uh and streaks in particular parts of the team. You know, we see it with the midfield now. There's really, we're left with no options when there's, especially when you get, uh, players that aren't injury prone, um, like your Emory Chans or something like that, where they have like a surprise injury. And then you've got the other guys that are normally injured, are injured. Then you're just left with nothing. And, and we're really like threadbare at this point. And, uh, you know, I was on Nina's show at the, uh, at the end of the last game and, there, the question came up of, 
whether Klopp was making the right substitutions and he's really just basically rotating around fullbacks. <laughs> but the thing is, what else is he going to do? The the fullbacks are the only position on the entire pitch where we have depth, um, unless you want to put youth players in. So, you know, it's an unfortunate situation because of how great a guys, how great a personalities some of these guys are for the club, and I'm sure that means something in the background. But unfortunately, some of the some of them just have to be moved on for sturdier players. Yeah. I mean, it's really. I think the point about the midfield is just so damning for me. I mean, we've got a six. We've got six players for three spots. That should be absolutely fine. But we're sat here with three of those lads injured, and that's not. You know, that's not even a surprise. You, do you know what I mean? We're at the situation where, if there aren't three of our lads in the central instead of that midfield injured, we're probably doing all right. But we we can't expect more than three or four of those to be fit any one time just because they're all. Most, well, quite a few of them are so injury prone. I mean, you look at the headline numbers. Some of those headline numbers are staggering. Hendo over 38% in the last three years. That's more than one every three in the ne- in the last three years. Lalana 31%. That's you know almost one in every three as well. So those two between them are missing a third of our games. That's two of our central midfielders, two out of six missing for a third of the last three seasons. That's you know how that is crippling. That is honestly a crippling situation to be in. And then you've got Ox who, of course, has done slightly better over the last couple of years, but has had previous knee injuries and now has picked up another serious knee injury. So, you know, you never know you never know whether someone like that is going to be able to clock as many minutes as, he, as he's ever going to be able to clock. You don't know whether his fitness is ever going to get to a point where it's going to be manageable. I mean, it's really, really frustrating. And then you've got someone like Chan, who obviously isn't massively injury prone, but does has picked up a couple of injuries over the last few years and has picked up another potentially serious one this summer. So it's, it's really tough to look at that midfield and sort of see how... See, I mean, you're bang on, Adam. We've got the numbers in terms of depth in certain positions, but that, that doesn't equate to anything if they're going to be missing for, you know, a third of the time. So, Joe, I'll go I'll go back to you then, and I'll, I'll focus on the midfield just for a moment. What what do you think the answer is to this problem in the midfield? I mean, I mean Adam's already highlighted so many that are English, which is just... I don't know what, what that's about, uh, whether it's something to do with the international team regime. I know at least some of those injuries, both Lalana and Sturridge, I think, have been crippled by the international team on a couple of occasions. So, so, and obviously, once injuries start, it's hard to stop them, if that makes sense. These sort, the sorts of injuries that these players are picking up tend to recur. So what, what would you say the answer is to the problem of our midfield at the moment? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult one, really. Whether there's a right or wrong uh, sort of solution to it, I'm not sure. Um, it's very harsh to, or it comes across as being very harsh to say, sort of Lalana should be sold because because he is injury prone and you can't rely on him. But it comes to a point where, if we want to be challenging for on multiple fronts next season, which a club like this should, and I know a club will want to do that, then you need players who can say, look, I'm, I need you to play two games in a week, or when you might not be in my first choice, but when someone gets injured or I want to rest a certain player, I can I can pick him and I know he's going to be fit. And with a lot, like we mentioned, with Alana Henderson, he's been slightly better recently. But those players just can't can't be relied upon. So, in my opinion, I think it's probably going to be Alana because he, in my opinion, the way he clocks sort of evolving the side, he's the one whose sort of style of play doesn't quite quite fit the midfield as it is. I think Klopp's looking, especially with the addition of Cater more um, in the summer, and then uh, more recently Ox. Uh, come into the side and he's really sort of building this powerful midfield. And I think Lalana's perhaps the one who just doesn't quite fit, uh, sort of fit that profile. 
And of course, there's games where you sort of need someone like Lallana who can link uh, playing playing the half spaces and really sort of bridge that gap between midfield and attack, particularly against teams at Anfield who sit back. Um, but if we can go out and get someone like Fakir, uh, a Lamar sort of type player who you know is going to be fit on a regular basis and who can do, if not as good as a better job than Lallana, then surely it makes sense to sort of sell sell out, sell Lallana and get get one of those those players in. I think you mentioned a great point about the national team is that even even though it's going a bit off topic, that sort of going into the World Cup, there was every chance that Henderson and Chamberlain were going to be sort of two of England's first choice three midfielders. And to go into a tournament where they've got to be playing sort of a a couple of, um, a couple of games, uh, sort of in a short period of time, I just never saw how that was ever going to work. So that was always an interesting one. But for me, yeah, I think I think Lallana would be the one I'd, I'd sacrifice and get a replacement in for. Okay, interesting point. Um, and we'll go to you now on a on a similar point. But I just want to sort of talk briefly about how we would look at rotating the midfield next year because realistically, there's only so many lads we can carry. Someone like Oxley Chamberlain, I think, Klopp's managed pretty well all season. He's not getting too many minutes in one go. I mean, when you consider Ox has played half as many minutes as say Bobby Firmino or Mo Salah, it just shows that he's ma- he's managed him quite a lot this season. So someone like Oxley can manage. Someone like Henderson, I think he's managed him pretty well this season overall. I think Henderson's been pretty pretty well managed this season. And and likewise, someone like likewise someone like James Milner, who is obviously good. And when you've got players like Genie Vinealdum, who as he on the list, he's Genie Vinealdum's picked up missed six games through injury in the last few in the last three years, two percent of his games, which is obviously a massive massive boon to have in the squad. Um, so do you think if we bring in one or two and maybe get rid of someone like Lana, we can afford to carry? someone like a Henderson that we know we can sort of manage a bit more? Because obviously these sorts of injuries occur when players are, are forced to play too many minutes. And someone like Lalana, I think I think maybe one of the problems we've had over the last couple of years is that Klopp hasn't managed Lalana or Sturridge very well and that they keep getting injuries because they're put in situations that they really shouldn't be being put in. For example, coming on as a substitute against Crystal Palace for Lalana is one of the big things. Brundish was saying before the game, you don't put them on. If they're not like, you know, you don't panic, put players into those situations because it's inevitable that injuries happen. So do you think we've got, if we get, if we bring in one or two more lads, we've got enough that we can manage players like Hendo or Ox? Or do you think that we need to get rid of at least one more, say, for example, a Hendo who's on, obviously, as I said, 38%? Or do you think that we need to try and keep as many players as we can and maybe just bulk for the numbers to work around the fact that some of our players just won't be able to play as many minutes? That's a tough one. I think... I think we're only going to carry so many players. I mean, just due to the financial implications and the players we're going to try and bring in and fit on the wage bill. It's when you start thinking, running the numbers as far as that goes, you know, I just, somebody like Lana or Sturridge, those types of, those types of names, they're going to go. There's just, there's no question about it. And we're probably going to end up eating some of the salary to make that happen. Um, you know, I've been banging the drum for, uh, for Sassignan, you know, I think those types of players where, whether it's him or it's a Lamar or it's a, uh, like Malcolm, uh, you know, a lot of these players who could, who we could shift between one role and another, whether it's uh, to focus on Sassignan, you know, if you could be the backup left back and the backup for Mane, um, you know, then, then you're, you're getting them on the pitch, you're keeping them in form and, and you're, creating depth at a couple of different positions. So I think if you could add pieces like that, 
it would make more sense for where Liverpool is. You know, earlier in the season, we talked a lot about um, Klopp's late substitutions. And uh, really, at the end of the day, we're kind of like, well, this might come back to bite us, but this is just Klopp's style and we're winning games, so it is what it is. You know, I think now at this closing end of the season, what would have happened if if somebody like Grujic or Woodburn or Curtis Jones or like any of these guys, if they had been worked in deliberately to the to the team more so in these little ten minute cameos at the end of games where either Klopp saved his substitutions until like the last five minutes or just didn't use them at all in some of the cases earlier in the season. God knows why he's doing that. Maybe the, the physio guys on, on his staff are telling him to run the players. I can't imagine why that would make sense, but there probably is some reason for it. But it's just, it just seems like that's biting us in the butt. Like at this point of the season, you know, cause, cause we're, we have these players that are sort of in between the under 23s and the senior level, but we're saying to ourselves, well, we can't throw this guy in a critical game because he's not ready for it. Well, he's not ready for it because they weren't played in those little sort of meaningless uh, minutes at the at the beginning of the season. Yeah, a couple of interesting points there. I want to move move away from the midfield because I think the midfield is a serious problem. But but as you mentioned in the article, the other serious problem that we do have is is the centre of the defence. I mean, I want to ignore Klein for a minute because even though he's at 23%, that was pretty much all from that one back injury at the start of the season. Um but if, and I think our other fullbacks are pretty okay. Uh, Trent obviously isn't on there because he hasn't played. Yeah, you know Trent hasn't played for the last three seasons, but obviously he's been fine this season in terms of injuries. Robbo and uh, Albi are both fine. They've missed 17 games between them for five and six percent. So our left back situation is fine. But as you mentioned, centre back is where we have a real, real problem because we've got Lover on there on 21 percent, Matic 15 percent. Even VVD, 14%, he's missed 20 games. Although, to be fair, a lot of those were at the start of this season. And, of course, he had a serious injury at the back end of last season. So with VVD as well, there is that kind of that niggle there. And But obviously the other big name in the defence, which is kind of the highlight number of the entire article, is Joe Gomez, who's on missed 92 games over the last three years at 59%. And that's even before we factor in the fact that he's just picked up another serious injury that's going to require ankle surgery. So that's another player who could potentially... I mean, these are the sort of things... But if you get that many serious injuries that early in your career, it really can make it very, very difficult for you to recover from them. So what, what's your take on the defence then, Joe? Uh, how, what do you make of the likes of Joe Gomez, whether they have a future at the club? Yeah, the defence is probably almost as bad as the uh, midfield, really. Uh, obviously, like we've talked, like you mentioned, the left-back sort of seems fairly settled. Both both uh, Robbo uh, and Moreno uh, sort of don't seem to pick up too many injuries, but particularly centre-back. Uh, we saw it last season when probably Lovren and Matite were were Klopp's favoured centre back partnership. How the, the amount of times they actually played together um, probably was very few because because of the amount of injuries they picked up. And this season, even when Van Dijk's come in, there's there's very been very few occasions where you've been like, oh, is it going to be Lovren or Matite uh, for today's game because one of them is injured? So Klopp's not really had a choice to make. Um, Gomez again is is a difficult one because he picked. The injuries he's picked up are sort of little niggles. They've all been big injuries, which have kept them out for a long period of time. But if you're sort of always picking up these big injuries, it's got to be sort of something with his body that's not obviously not quite not quite right, which is a shame to say. And hopefully he can recover. But not just he might not just be sort of injury prone going forward. But also, what kind of impact is that going to have 
have on his sort of physical attributes. Obviously, he's very he's a very fast sort of explosive player, quite powerful as well. But if if sort of these injuries have sort of an impact on his body, then there's a chance he might have to change his style style of play a little bit. So again, for me, there's there's always going to be question marks whether uh, sort of Lovren or Lovren and Matu were both going to stay because on their day they're both very good players, but in my opinion they're both too inconsistent, and we've seen that seen that for a new, numerous seasons and. On, uh, sort of couple that with um, sort of their lack of consistency at being able to be fit regularly. And I think again, I'd say one of them's probably got to go. Which one? Honestly, I'm honestly not sure. It probably depends with what kind of centre back you're bringing in. Uh, obviously, Lovren's a bit more a powerful, powerful centre back, more area dominant. Whereas Matic's a bit calmer, a bit better at using the ball. So for me, which one? goes would depend on who we're bringing in but again like, like I've said in the field I think one definitely has to go yeah definitely what's your take on the defensive situation Adam particularly with regards to as I say Joe Gomez who's picked up you know three three really serious injuries now the cru- cruciate ligament then his Achilles tendon and now ankle surgery I mean those are three very serious injuries um what's your take on that what's your take on the defense in general um we'll move on in a minute to talk about something a bit more specific uh talk about something a bit more general but what's your take on the defense yeah, I feel terrible for Joe. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him, but I think I think overall the club has sort of like let him down. I mean, you say like we're we're asking the question here, like what's wrong with it? Why is he picking up these serious injuries? Well, just look at the guy. He's not built to be a modern day fullback, and and that's all really. We've almost exclusively played him there, you know, outside of. Maybe one or two games, he's basically been fullback either on the left-hand side of Brendan Rodgers or on the right with uh, with Klopp. And he was healthy for a stretch this season when he was playing in, I don't know what you want to call it, the traditional fullback role or a defensive fullback or, you know, a holding fullback. I don't know what you want to call it, but he was holding back further on the right-hand side than Moreno when he was paired with them in terms of the fullbacks. And he stayed healthy through that stretch. Pretty much. And then, I don't know what happened. The, the West Brom, the West Brom game, I, I think Klopp would have just done that differently, obviously, if, if he had that back. I mean, you know, that's what worked when you had that Moreno and Gomez pairing is that Moreno would bomb forward and, and Gomez would relatively stay further back and, and play to his strengths, play to both of their strengths. And the center backs would sort of shift over and the whole thing worked. And then, we bring them both back for West Brom and then they're both playing as normal fullbacks and that's not great for Moreno and that's not great for Gomez either. You know, and then he picks up an injury and the rest is history, but the whole thing was not great. And yeah, Cy Brunish was talking about it. Like he was insistent that there was no way that, that Gomez would play because he looked at the numbers and there's just no way that he could have been fit in that short amount of time. And, that, you know, sort of the stories are coming out that, he just did it for the good of the team and, you know, God bless him. But, you know, a lot of the guys have been saying since he should have been, especially at his age, he's not like a 33 year old defender making that decision. He's a kid and he should have been stopped from doing that. And, you know, if Klein wanted to make that sacrifice, he should have been able, he should have really stepped up to do that rather than have Gomez put out there the way that he was. So that's disappointing overall. And yeah, I mean, just based on the mix that we have at center back, you wouldn't like to have to take that into consideration. Obviously in the transfer window, you're looking for players that stay healthy just generally, but 
it really has to be a focus if we're going to bring in any anybody on that side. It has to be somebody who just doesn't get injured because there's a real problem there with Lava and Matup and, and Gomez. So, and even Clava, and when he plays for for any extended stretch, he usually picks up something as well. So, so that's a real issue. And you know, yeah, somebody's going to have to get rotated out because. We're gonna to have to bring somebody in who's healthy all the time, and again, it's not not an, not an ideal situation. They all are decent guys, and they're they're decent when they're on the field as well, and they've contributed to us when they've been healthy, but they're just not healthy consistently. Yeah, I want to raise I want to raise sort of one or two more points, and I want to focus a little bit on sort of the general atmosphere around the club, but also I want to focus specifically on the idea of minutes match time. So, um, I'll start. With, I'll go deeper with this one first, Joe. So. Uh, Brundage was pointing out last year we were complaining a lot about how if we had Chelsea's injury history, if we had as many injuries as Chelsea, then we would be banging the title race last year. And Brundage made the point, well, well, no, if you look at the players that have got in the squad and we look at the, look at the players that Chelsea got in their squad, they didn't have, they weren't lucky with injuries. They just had the average amount of injuries that their players are likely to get. So did we. We just have the wrong players. You know, Chelsea have got players who don't tend to get injured, whereas we do. So that is a key issue. And another thing is, I want to talk about minutes, because we've got such a disparity of that within the squad. We've got two players in the squad, Firmino and Salah, who can go 4,000 minutes a season without getting injured, which is fantastic, which is what we want. You've got players like Gini Vinaldum and Sadio Mane, who are pushing, by the time the season's over, they'll be pushing 3,500. Neither of them get injured very very often. They uh, Mane, only 8% of in games missed in the last three years. I think most of that was in the back end of the last season. As I say, Genie already pointed out too. So we've got four players there that are going to be capping at least three and a half thousand minutes with no injury worries whatsoever. Then we've got sort of that clutch of players like Matic, Chan, Lovren, Hendo. They all tend to struggle when they hit 3,000. And then if you go even further down, you've got Oxlade Chamberlain who can't even manage 2,000. So there's a real disparity in terms of minutes able to get on the, in terms of minutes we can get players on the pitch. Because realistically, Klopp would want six, seven, eight players who can play as many minutes as Bobby and Mo. He wouldn't, he wouldn't want them to be playing that many minutes because he obviously wants a bit more disparity. But if you've got two players who can play 4,000 minutes, you can get, you know, five, six, seven, eight players who can play 4,000 minutes. That's great. So my question is really, how do we, how do we solve this issue? How do we make it? How do we, how do we fix the issue? Do we just simply have to keep buying players who aren't, who aren't as injury prone? Or is there something else that we need to do to try and level the playing field a bit more? Yeah, the uh, argument about sort of other other clubs being lucky with the uh, sort of the lack of injuries they get compared to us always always makes me laugh because the reality is we've got players as we've talked about and as we've seen sort of the, on the graph that uh, Brundish so Brundish published that our, our players are more injury prone and that's that's the fact of the matter of it they're not getting injured because of Klopp's style of play or anything like that it's because they are their bodies just can't take it as as for what we do. I think it's difficult. Personally, I think we've got to make one or two changes. Some of those injury prone players who perhaps, uh, don't sort of suit the, suit the system, uh, as well as, uh, other players in the squad, in my opinion, have got to be moved on. And that, for me, that'd probably be Lalana and maybe one other. Um, and then definitely we've got to, we've got to look to bring players who not are only good enough and suit, suit Klopp's system, but also who are, who we can, who we can trust to uh, sort of play by the amount of minutes we've talked about. Everyone, everyone's body's different, uh, as we know. Some people are capable just because of the way they're built, like Salah and Firmino playing a lot of, a lot of game time, which is great. Man City have done a brilliantly look at the amount of minutes that De Bruyne, um, Silver, 
uh, Walker, Fernandino. So the City have got a lot of players um, because of the way the bodies are built and because a lot of them are in the prime. It means they can they can play that amount of minutes. Whereas we we've not got that luxury of being able to have that consistency apart from the two lads we talked about. So for me, I think if we're going to sort of go about solving it, it would be to get rid of a couple of players and then make sure when we do do sign do sign uh, some some new some new players in the summer that we are getting people who Klopp can rely on and who he can trust to play when called upon because that's the key to uh, challenging on domestic front is having a squad that you can that you can plan around because you know players are going to be able to be relied on physically. Yeah, Adam, same sort of question to you, really. How do you, how do you see this equation looking into next season? Because obviously, we've, as I say, we've got too many. Do you want to be seeing the likes of Bobby and Mo playing less minutes? Do you want to be seeing some other players playing more? Do you want to be seeing us getting rid of some players who simply can't make up the can't make up the minutes? How how do you see it looking next season? I want there to be guys that basically know they're going to come in at the end of the games that are dedicated impact subs, and that they probably also know that they're going to be starting the, the cup games and things like that. I mean, that's how it would work to me. And and also, you know, it just seems like we get in situations where we're either going to go all out and play our best 11 or we're going to, like, sub out guys wholesale or, or you know. I mean, it would just be a much more ideal situation. And, and maybe if Fakir comes in, then we can accomplish that a little bit because he can play across the front but you just you just want to be able to like plug in one guy from the bench or one guy from the squad in that front four and not have it be like well we're just gonna have to squeak out a result today you know it's just not it's not right for a a club that's at our level i mean we're in the finals of the champions league and you know you look at uh, who Real's going to be bringing in off the bench. They're probably going to bring in Bale off the bench or something, or Asensio. And then we look at our bench, and we're going to talk about Dom Solanke later, or, or you know, Danny Yangs or something like that. And it's just, you know, well, I love the promise of some of those guys, and I love the story behind them, and I love the personalities. It's just not. It's obviously on a different level. And uh, Real Madrid is a huge club. I live here in Madrid. I'm very aware of that, but. Uh, Liverpool is not a small club and the disparity doesn't need to be as big as it is. And, you know, it's just, it's like that because you've got senior players who are never healthy and, uh, you know, it's just, that's, it's gotta be addressed and you gotta have, you gotta have players that not only are healthy, but players that are versatile and you gotta start putting together like a regular rotation and, and using your, using our subs more effectively. You know, that's a complicated deal, but Klopp's obviously, you know, he's got us as far. He's an amazing manager. I'm sure he'll figure it out next season. And it seems like he improves, uh, he improves things like this every year. And, um, you know, I'm sure this is one of the areas that'll, that'll get cleaned up for next season. Yeah. I just, I just want to finish this up with a couple of, with just a couple of points. I think first thing to note is that when you've got a player like Bobby Firmino in your squad, I want to highlight Firmino's example because I think he's the perfect example of this. He's clocked over 10,000 minutes in three seasons. So clearly this is a lad that is more than capable of doing those kinds of numbers. So I don't think, I, I think he's the sort of player that we want to be aiming for, really. Someone like that. I mean, Milner again has clocked so many minutes. I'm just looking at the last three seasons in the list of players who are up there. Emre, to be fair to Klein, Klein, the last two seasons before this season, obviously he's really been hit hard this season. But the previous two seasons, he's had no issues whatsoever. He's been clocking, he clocked four and a half. He's clocked. 4,600 minutes back in 1516 when the Europa League. 
So that's absolutely, you know, mental. Millie as well, as I said, Millie. Millie's clocked 3,800 and 3,400. So, you know, we've got players in that squad who are capable of doing absolutely huge amounts of minutes. The question is just, you know, we need to sort of round the squad out a bit because at the moment we've got three players in in Bobby, Sadio and Mo who've done nearly 12,000 minutes between them. Get someone else in to do another 3,000 of those. For example, for Kane, 3,000 is still way above what you'd expect. You know, 3,000 is is more that is, you know, top five, really, if you want to be picking up a, a good season. Yeah, and you can, yeah, you can tell, so. and you can tell that they're treating Mane in a way that they, they seem, tell me if I'm wrong, but it just seems to me that they're clearly, uh, handling him with kid gloves as much as humanly possible in this run in here because it, it seems like they, they think that he's over his limit and they're handling him in that way, right? They're definitely managing him more than they're managing Mo or Bobby, I would say that much. But they've been, but they've been like that all season. They've managed Sadio quite, I think they managed Sadio really, really well this season because, you know, it's hardly kid gloves if he's off, you know, he's our fourth highest minutes played this season. So he's clearly not being played with kid gloves as such. You know what I mean? He's play, he's clocked nearly, as I say, he's going to clock three and a half thousand minutes. Only Bobby Mo right. and Junior would have clocked more than him this season. No, so, totally. Yeah. I'm saying, like, that's a, that's a positive thing for the, yeah. for the staff that they've gotten him this far, but it just seems like, it seems like they're worried just by the way that they sub him off all the time. But I think I think the other thing to note is that in certain areas, I don't think it's necessarily... I think certain individuals, it's not necessarily as bad as it's made out. I mean, as I say, we talk about Lovren, Hendo, Matip and Chan. Those four are averaging 3,000 minutes each, which is, as I say, that's 30, That's nearly 35 games. That's not horrendous for those, for those four to be averaging that amount. I don't think that's horrendous. The problem is you've got... The problem is if you have two or three players who just are write-offs, if you end up in a situation where you've got someone like Adam Alana's a complete write-off for an entire season, you know, Alana's played, started, what, three games? Right, like absolutely. Cause then, right, because then you end up pushing other players further than they, yeah. than they should. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I looked at this, when I looked at this during the summer of last year, I mean, the, the top players on most of the, the top six clubs, you know, the real brand name starters, they'd be, Pushing like 40 games a piece, you know, and like, that's exactly like you're saying. That seems to be sort of like the limit of these, these guys that are in their prime. Yeah. I think three, three and a half is what you would want. Three, between three and three and a half seems to be what you would want a top player to be doing. Because that's why, you, you know, you want your best players to be playing as many games as possible. Between three and a half, three, three and a half thousand is about, I'd say, somewhere between about 40 games. So that is pretty much where you want them. You don't want to be in a situation this, like this season where you've got Mo and Bobby starting four or seven games each. That's too many, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, obviously, I'm sure that, sure, Brundish love is, you know, Brundish is obviously the expert on that, but 47 is too many. Whereas then you've got players, like, as I say, Ox has only started 21 games, and that was too much for him this season, so it's a real issue. Um, we'll move on then, because I feel like we've, we've talked about this topic a lot. And we'll move on to talk about, as you, as you said, Dom Solanke, who you've written an article on, Adam. And, um, this is one that I think me and Joe are both kind of really interested to have a debate about. So I'll let you kick off and just sort of tell us about Dom Solanke, what you thought about him, and what your, what the basis of your article was. Yeah. So first off, uh, I'll give the listeners a little bit of inside pool on uh, Anfield Index. So uh, Tom and Leanne, they they pick the articles every week that they're going to review on the show. And so while I'm writing writing articles to uh, make sure that you find readers are uh, are kept interested, I'm also well, I'm basically trolling Tom to get invited on the show. So so that worked that worked this week. Uh, but uh, so while I do. You know, I really do appreciate Dom Solanke. I, I think that he's very talented and worth worth spending multiple seasons uh, developing. I, I do understand the frustration that the fans 
ultimately want a more established striker as a as a reserve. You know, and the just the interesting thing when I looked at his per ninety stats and and the, the deeper analytics in terms of expected goals and all that type of stuff. You know, I, he compares favorably with just about anybody. He compares favorably with Firmino. Um, but, you know, so I, I could compare him with just about anybody, but just for some fun, uh, why don't we compare him with Rashford, who's, you know, sort of roundly considered a pretty good prospect, right? So if you compare Dom Solanke to Rashford and you look at his, like, goal involvement, basically, so the XG chain per 90, or he's 102 to, to 0.52. So basically he's double, right? And the same thing for XG build up per 90, 0.27 to 0.16. His expected goals per 90, even though there haven't been any goals, his expected goals are 0.66 to 0.31. Um, and his expected assists per 90 is 0.35 to 0.16. So he's essentially double the player that Marcus Rashford is in terms of those deeper analytics, you know? So, uh, to me, the basic point of my article is that this is a guy who, you know, if you look at the comments on Twitter, and that's probably a bad idea to begin with, but if you look at those types of comments, everybody's ready to write the guy off. And in, ter- in terms of these types of stats, and I'm not even looking at his pressing stats, which just from the eyeball test, you know, uh, he's really good as far as that goes. But he's he's got everything else. So if if he could just turn his expected goals into a few goals, and whether that's, you know, we, we know some of them were sort of luck or, or calls by the referee. Remember the West Brom game where he had the handball called on him uh, erroneously. So, you know, he's a guy that I think is worth, at a minimum, just taking another season on. And he's probably not going to be put in the, in the same type of situations as often as he is. And then speaking of the situations, the, the game states that he's put into, you know, I think people should note that he's played around 500 minutes. And if you look at his his distribution of those minutes, about half of them have come against uh, a Fat Sam's army. And and 90 minutes of those have come against Burnley. And the rest of our star-stud, uh, you know, forward line also really struggles against those teams. They've also really had a hard time scoring against those types of setups. So, yeah, so that's that's a little bit harsh to me to judge him on, that, on those types of minutes. And then a lot of the times we're just brought on in cameos, it's situations for he's where he's just doing the running for Bobby Firmino, and he's not even in an attacking situation. He's just he's just pressing, and then I would say the only times where he's really uh, been brought in in a real attacking sense was this last the 20 minutes against Chelsea, and then that situation against West Brom where we really needed those goals, um, and even in those situations he's attacking against the park bus. So. <laughs> it hasn't been an easy season, I'm sure. I'm sure he'd love to have a couple of those opportunities back, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, he, I just think there's some patience that is, uh, that should be, um, given to this kid, you know, given, given the, how he came into the season, the, the excitement that, that came off of the, the Youth World Cup and, and him getting, uh, the player of the tournament and everything like that, you know, We've got a real asset there. So, you know, if we had to send him on loan, so be it. But, you know, I just think that this is not a player that we should be sending on loan thinking like, oh, we're just going to boost his value in Salomon or somebody that we should just sell immediately just because he hasn't scored a goal. I just think, 
there's definitely something there based on the deeper stats and, and, you know, people should just recognize that before they make a snap judgment. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack there. We are going to, I think we'll kick off with talking about the stats a little bit. Then we will get into in a, in a late, slightly later on, we'll get into talking about um, whether or not we think he's, uh, he should be sold, loaned, etc. So just before I go to Joe, we need to talk about sample sizing because sample sizing is really, really important when you do stat, when you do statistical work. And I'm um, just, just to sort of give you a bit of context here. Dom Stelanke is in our top five for key passes per 90, for shots per 90, for XG per 90, and for X, uh, XA per 90. The Sounds like a hell of a player. Is, is Other players who are in the top five for <laughs> those categories, uh, Marco Grujic is, has got is in it up there for creativity, given based on the fact that he has had he has ten key passes per ninety minutes, Marco Grujic this season. So you know that's pretty spectacular with a really really high XA per ninety. So that would be why Daniel Sturridge is up there significantly for both expected goals per ninety and shots per ninety. But yeah, Sturridge is up there for key passes per ninety as well. So Sturridge is one of those players as well. Uh, Coutinho obviously is the, the big name there. But, and Lalana, of course, as well for creativity. So in terms of creativity, we've got Grijic, Lalana, Solanke, Sturridge. Those four are four of the top five, which just, for me, says it all, really, because if you have a smaller sample size, it's very, very easy to get extrapolated big numbers. And and the simple truth is, you do not have a, large, a, long, a big enough sample size to talk about Dominic Solanke in terms of creativity. Um, of course, his XG chain is going to look massive, because he doesn't have, I mean, I want to quickly just talk about his expected goals. Um, his expected goals is 0.66 per 90, which is the third highest in our squad behind Lana. And I'll tell you the other person in a minute. His XG chain is 1.07, which is insanely high. But Mo Salah, man, Mo Salah has 0.76 XG per 90 and 1.04 XG chain. So that's just insane. Like the fact that, uh, Solanke's numbers are extrapolated to hell and he still can't beat Salah for XG is absolutely bloody mental. Um, just quickly wanted to say that, but my point, my point is, it is just you, the stat, the stats don't mean anything. The stats are oh, because they're just, as you said, they're in games where we were had where we were smashing against the brick wall. They're so like yeah, but I, I would I would say like just based on the game state and and all the situations where he's been brought on, I mean, I just feel like that's that's almost like working against him. I mean, there's certainly been there's been at least a handful of games where he's we haven't even. Like gone past the halfway line when he's been brought on because he's only been brought on to to close out games and, and press, you know. So but I, I hear cameos I, though. The game, the yeah, game, yeah. like you said, the games where he's got big minutes have been against Sam Allardyce's Sam Allardyce's Everton and Burnley, where we were pushing for. <laughs> and late in those games, we were pushing really sure. hard for results. That's why he gets those big chances. And the thing is, when you've got such a small sample size, it only takes two or three big chances in order to you know create that sample size. I think maybe the maybe the bigger worry is that he obviously he keeps getting these really good openings and missing them. That's probably the big worry. But as you say, that's down to confidence. That's down to this, that, and the other. My point is just that I I don't want to read too much into the stats. I I, I do agree there's an interesting discussion to be had about Salanki, but I um but I don't necessarily want to get into the numbers because I don't think the numbers are the important thing in the sense that the the, the sample size is so low. And I'll let I, Joe I, just, I'll I, let I'll just yeah, let Joe jump in on this here because Joe hasn't had a chance to speak on Salanki yet. So Joe, I'll let you. Let you talk about Adam's article and Sankey in general. Any thoughts you have on the stats before we get into the discussion of what we're going to do with Sankey next season? 
Yeah, I thought it was a really good article. Uh, Solanke is obviously an interesting, interesting one. Personally, I've not quite, not quite worked out myself. He's got a very sort of big reputation. All the coaches he's worked under at England say sort of he's one of the best players they've ever sort of worked with at that age group. Uh, so there's all the potential. You'd think he's got all the attributes to play in Klopp's system for him to really kick on and become a really good player. But we haven't quite seen it, uh, seen him, seen him sort of take the opportunities he's been given. Uh, I think you're spot on Tom with how you talk about sort of the sample size isn't, isn't big enough. And so that always leads to sort of a sort of inflated, inflated results as we're seeing with Solanke. I think the biggest one for me is sort of when he's been brought on. It's a lot of the time when the games have been sort of nil-nil and we're looking for a goal and perhaps he's been brought on and sort of we'll go sort of really attacking two up front. So a lot of the time, the team the, the team he's playing against is sitting back. And so he's going to get lots of chances. He's going to create, create uh, sort of, uh, lots of um, lots of opportunities for his teammates, which is why sort of those actually change, actually build-ups, etc. are so, 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 so high because he's going to be getting the ball and sort of every opportunity is probably going to be a chance chance he creates or is going to result in something because teams are just sitting back and hoping to close a game out and he's been brought on to sort of try and be the person who who sort of breaks the deadlock which which is a very difficult role and if you're a young lad it is is hard but if you're going to make it at Liverpool sort of they're, they're the opportunity you've got you've got to take so I do think it's a sort of really interesting article but for me sort of the most important thing one is the sample size and secondly is the, the, the times that he, he has been brought on has been uh, sort of when we've been trying to get that get that goal so we have been pushing forward which is again as why he sort of had such a high uh, results in sort of actually chain and actually build it yeah I mean I agree with you on one level where I would say that yeah like I, like I was saying I think a lot of the situations have been brought on the, the statistics sort of like bend against his favor where where he's just pressing but yeah there are situations where he's brought on and because we usually play with pretty short uh, pretty short front line and then you have this guy who's much bigger and physically imposing, uh, and then you bring him on, and then all of a sudden we start crossing balls and left and right to him, and I, that probably does inflate the stats. But um, you know what I would say about the sample size is that you, know, you can say that there's not enough sample size with Slanky, but I don't think that you can say that there's not enough sample size to praise him, but there is enough sample size to say that we should move him on or send him out alone or whatever. So you know, I think it has to be like one or the other, right? It has to be, there's either like not enough information or there is, right? Well, I mean, yeah, that's the, that is the big question. Um, I mean, we'll get to what I think in a minute, but, um, Adam, what do you, so what do you think, Adam? Do you think that we should be keeping him in the, in the team next season? Or do you think that we should be learning about to make sure that he gets the minutes? Because like you say, it's a small sample size. Do you think that he's, do you, well, it's not that you think he's shown up, but do you think he deserves a chance to, sh- to prove himself at the top level next season, or do you think he needs to be given a chance to get the minutes? Well, what I think he's been fantastic at is to be brought on in the last few minutes and just pressing the hell out of the opposition and saving Firmino a lot of hard running, right? And that's difficult on him because it's not our normal like free-flowing style. But I think if you're going into next year and you have a player that, you know, you need him to prove himself, Liverpool is going to be sort of, they're going to move on to some extent just because they're probably going to, they're probably going to move Sturridge on more than anything. And, and then there's going to be players that replace him. And you know, some of those minutes, some of those attacking situations are going to be taken up. You know, I, I don't think, I, I don't envision a situation next year 
where Solanke is brought on as the uh, guy to rescue a game uh, late. I don't think that that will happen as much as unless he gets on some kind of run. But I think he gets on a run if he's brought on in the situation where he showed to be effective, and then he just naturally scores goals out of that. Obviously, we can we can score out of pressing situations. Um, that's been like sort of our bread and butter. So, you know, he should be able to create situations just naturally rather than forcing it. Um, you know, so I think that's it. I, I think, I think just not bringing him in and, and pressurize situations next season where, you know, we're saying like, come on, save us to a 20 year old kid. And if we can do that, if there's a better rotation on the front line, which we talked about in the, the, discussing the earlier article, it should all work better together. I mean, I'm sure that, I'm sure that we expected, uh, storage to be more effective this year, even if you factor in that we knew that he was going to have some kind of injury record. You probably expected him to, to provide more than he did, right? So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It was probably a surprise to them to, to be, able, to be leaning on Solanke as, as much as we did. But, it is what it is. And that, you know, now you got a situation where you got a kid who the fan base is upset with and that's, that's not an easy situation. I don't know. I, 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 I wouldn't really like to see him sent out alone if only because that seems to be sort of like the death knell for, <laughs> for most Liverpool players. If you get sent out alone, you typically don't, uh, come back to the team and, and have a prominent role. So I'd rather see him develop with the team and just, be sort of managed a little bit more carefully in the coming season. Joe, respond. Yeah, I think I think it's a difficult one. I'm, my honest answer with what 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 we do with Slanky is that I don't. I'm not sure. I've still not quite quite worked him out. I think what I would say, uh, and everyone would agree on that, is if Firmino did get injured next season, would you want Solanke having to play 50, 50 games? No, you wouldn't, because we won't we won't be anywhere near good enough and be at the level we want them to be. Uh, so I do think whatever happens, we do need to bring in another striker. Um, pro- you're probably not going to sign someone to be a backup to Firmino solely. So that's probably going to mean a signing a player who can not only play in Firmino's role, but, but also play out wide. So sort of you're covering two bases with one, because I think it'd be very hard to attract any player of a little bit of quality, quality to be back up to Firmino, because he is perfect for Klopp's system system and he's an unbelievable player and long may that continue um, so would I want Solanke sort of being the second short striker to Firmino next season definitely not uh, as to what we do with him again I'm not sure I don't do I think he's going to get to a level we need him to by sitting on the bench and maybe playing a few cup games and coming on when we need a goal I don't think I think this season has proved he's not uh, it's difficult to quantify how much he has improved um, but I don't think, I'm not sure the answer is him, him sitting on the bench again next season and playing a handful, handful of games. I know Klopp doesn't like the loan system, particularly with players. He wants to integrate into his team because he'd much rather be able to sort of have a more hands-on approach and work with them, uh, day in, day out on the training pitch. So they really understand what he wants from them if they're called upon. But I think in Solanke's case, uh, a man with that much potential just needs to go out and play football. He needs to score goals, whether that be in the Premier League or Championship. He just needs to go out and play football. We've got to try and make sure he goes to a team that plays similar way to Liverpool. It'd be pointless going him going to a team who cross loads of balls into the box because at the end of the day he's going to come back to Liverpool and won't get that kind of service. But if we can find a club 
whether, as I said, whether that be in the Premier League or Championship, who play a similar way to us. Uh, and I think that's probably going to be the best option, the best way for him to develop. Because I think sitting on the bench and having another season of what he's done, what he's done this year just won't be effective for either us or Solanke as a player. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, to, to just respond to quick, I don't to say has he how much he's improved this season. That doesn't look to me on eye level like he's improved at all. You know, and that's that's never going to happen because, like you say, he's just not played enough minutes. He's not getting any sort of game time. I I I don't want. To be blunt, I don't want to be in a situation where Dominic Solanke is still is still an option yet next season, coming off the bench. I don't want to be in that situation. I want us, to, it's like you say, I want us to improve. I want the Solankes of the world to be still as still potential coming on, but I don't I don't want to see them as as options. That's why I would like to see him go on loan because I'd like to be able to see Solanke get more than a thousand minutes, just sat on a, more than a thousand minutes playing for a, a club to be able to get a bit of experience. As you say, get some confidence, get some goals under his belt. Because I just don't, it's not that I don't think he's good enough to play for Liverpool Football Club, but I think right now he's not good enough to be our second-dress option. To be blunt, I don't think he's better than Danny Ings at the moment. I'd much rather see Danny Ings come on than Solanke at this, at this moment in time. And as you say, it's got nothing to do with his potential, nothing to do with, with how good the lad could be, but he's not there yet. And he's not going to get there, as you say, playing bit part minutes for us. And I don't think the answer is to give him more minutes for us, because I think that's too big a risk for a player who, at the moment, is not good enough to be playing in the Champions League. That's, that's the brute. That's the brute level of it. I don't think he's been particularly good at all this season when he's been given the chance. And that is a shame because I would have liked to have seen him kick on after what Adam says was a decent preseason. But the truth is, I mean, we're not. Let me ask you this, though. Let me what? ask you this, though. It's because you're judging him against this season where, you know, especially post Coutinho, our scoring has to come from that front line, right? We don't basically have nobody else that, that contributes goals. Yeah. But then if you if you fast forward to next season and you have that front line and let's say he's subbing in for, for Firmino, let's say Firmino's out for a stretch, let's say he's out for a month. Yeah. Now now you picture Solanke in between uh, Mane and Mo, and then he's got Keita and and Fakir. I don't have either. Ings in that situation though. I I don't I don't. I, I think Ings is more likely to put goals, score goals in that position. I think he's kind of, he's demonstrated that this season with a smaller sample size. And to be honest with you, why would I want that? Why would I want to be in that situation when we could have, for example, if, if Firmino goes out for a month, we could have a front three of Fakir, Salah and Mane. So we don't, you know, we don't need Salanka to be in that situation. It's not a case of sticking anyone up in the middle and hoping that they'll score goals surrounded by better players. It's a case of having someone of Firmino's quality to go into that position. That's my point. It's not, as I say, it's nothing against Sanky. I don't think he's not good enough. I don't think he, sorry, I don't think he won't be good enough. I think that right now he isn't good enough to go and to, you right. know, to stick. And Klopp clearly doesn't think so, otherwise he'd be giving him enough minutes. That's my point. You know, at the yeah. moment, at the moment he's struggling to get ahead of Danny Ings on the pecking order. And based on the small sample size that both of them have had, I don't think there's much evidence that he should be ahead of Danny Ings in the pecking order, other than he's younger and probably got more potential. Which is why I'd rather see him go out on loan somewhere where he can get those minutes under his belt, get some more goals. I, I I absolutely agree with what Joe said, and I think Joe's pretty much bang on when he says that's not the way Klopp likes doing things, but Klopp needs to make a decision here, and I think the decision with someone like Dominic Sankey needs to be, okay, well, he's going to get time to develop in the system if he gets a full preseason. So give him, you know, give him six months, even if it's, you know, just until Christmas, with someone where we can get some confidence, get some goals, get some minutes, because at the moment he just doesn't look like a player who's good enough to play... And I'm not, I'm not saying he's not good enough to play in the Premier League right now, but I'm saying right now we need to be looking at elite players. We need to be, we need to be saying we've got, 
It's like you say, we want to have quality coming off the bench in the Champions League final. I don't want to see Dominic sure. Solanke there next season. That's as I say, it's nothing against him personally. I think he's no, probably. A I, I, I hear you. I'm conceding. Yet. I'm conceding that some attacker is, is coming in over the summer. If that didn't happen, that would be a disappointment, right? I, I just think, you know, if he's if he's in the mix, I don't think that that's a problem. And I, you know, I, I just, I guess if there's a disappointment for the scenarios that he's played in this season, I, you know, I wish that he'd had a half a game against the. A team, a Bournemouth, or you know, a team where the play is more wide open, right? I mean, we have this is another point that I made in the article is that there's there's plenty of players, whether it's Genie or or some of these guys that are on the team, who we basically are saying the game needs to be a particular way, or else they're almost useless, you know. And then we got a 20 year old kid where he's been really played almost exclusively against Park Bus situations. And then we're pretty hard on him. It's just, you know, obviously you just don't know how these situations are going to play out when you when you roll into the season, and it just hasn't worked out fantastically in his favor. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just my final word on it is just that I think I think we'd be just fine to have him as part of the mix if he's brought in, if he's able to be brought in in more favorable situations next year where there's more there's less uh, dependence on him to. To have to score, I think he would score naturally. Just, I mean, he's scored fine in tournaments and international duties. Scored fine at the under twenty three level. It's not like, not like he can't score or something. So, you know, I, I think, I think in a different situation next year, he'd be just fine. What do you, what do you think is best for um, his development, Adam? Would you do you think he'd be better off staying and working with Klopp or going out alone? Because I guess the bigger picture, from what from my point of view, would be. We mean he needs to make sure Solanke becomes the best player he can be, whether that's at Liverpool or somewhere else. Um, do you think he'd be better off, say, not next season, but the season af- after? Uh, would be a better player going on loan next season or staying or working on the clock? Yeah, totally. I, you know, listen, I mean, we talked about it with Joe Gomez. I mean, obviously, the best, the best decision for Joe Gomez is not to be playing fullback. He's gotta, he's gotta, like, whether it's here or, uh, somewhere else, he's got to get in a situation where he's playing center back. Obviously, his body's not up to it. If you uh, go to uh, Solanke, you know, Grujic, you got like basically the same situation where they they need extended minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, for them, if they're if they're greedy about it, I don't know. I, you know, the thing is, is that if we're going to continue to have seasons like this, then we're going to be playing near 60 games. I mean, if we don't, if we don't drop out of the League Cup earlier in the season and we make it, you know, I'm not expecting us to make it to the Champions League final every year, but if we make it a, a, a deep run, then you're talking high 50s in terms of the number of games played per per season, and there's plenty of games to go around for a Grich or. Uh, Solanke in that situation. So, uh, I would say for the next year, it's, it's fine for them to stay. I mean, if, if, if it comes to the end of next season and they don't have, uh, talking about both Grijic and Solanke, if they don't have, you know, more minutes than what Solanke is getting this year, which is effectively five plus games, you know, there, there comes a limit, I guess, to the amount of knowledge that you're going to get off of like a Bobby Firmino or, Jordan Henderson or whoever Grealish is learning from, uh, just from the practice pitch. So, 
so yeah, I think they would be fine to, to learn from the being in the squad for another year, and then they'd probably be best to move on if they're not getting more time than they're getting right now. Okay, so my, my final word on this issue is Bobby Firmino played 4,000 minutes this season, Dominic Solanke played 600. So it's not that the minutes aren't available, it's that Klopp doesn't think, and clearly Dominic Solanke isn't good enough to play significant numbers of minutes. That, for me, is the problem right now, and I don't think that's going to change over the summer. So I do think he would benefit on going out to a place where he is going to get more minutes. Um, Joe, I'll let you have the final word on this topic, and then you can go straight into your blog, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. I think we've seen this season, although it, like, look, uh, being second fiddle to Roberto Firmino is probably the hardest job in football. He's one of the most complete forwards and definitely the best forward uh, in the world, in my opinion, in Klopp's system. So he's got a hard job, but if, if you want him to get to the levels we need him to be at, then that's, that's sort of the uh, standards he's got set. Uh, so I think he probably would be best going out on loan, getting some game time and assist in a team that plays a similar way to Liverpool so he can sort of understand what his role would be. And just to get a bit of confidence, you, you need to play football uh, and, and play regular minutes and uh, sort of score goals to get some confidence and to get some fluidity. And hopefully, in my opinion, if we can bring in sort of a top quality addition to the forward line, he can play uh, sort of perhaps out wide and perhaps down the middle and that'd be the perfect perfect way to sort of ease the pressure, ease the pressure off Firmino. So I definitely think the best option next season will be to see Solanke go out alone, even though Klopp, that isn't usually the way Klopp operates. Uh, in terms of plugs, I've got an article coming out on the, our sort of diff, inability to defend crosses as effectively as we need to. We saw it against Chelsea and against Rome and that they caused us problems uh, by just sort of crossing the ball into the box and we, for a long while, we've not really been able to deal with it. So I've took an interesting look on a few few sort of scenarios and a few difficulties we have with defending crosses because I'm expecting Real Madrid with Ronaldo and Benzema to be fairly fairly direct once they get into the final third uh, because of how good uh, Ronaldo is is in the air uh, and how, how shaky we have looked with crosses coming to the box and just like to say a huge thanks to Cy for helping me with the article I wrote and collecting all the data uh, the work he does is amazing and it sort of helps a lot and really sort of goes puts things into perspective about how injury-prone the players have been. Okay, that's really cool. Uh, anything you wanted to plug, Adam? Yeah, aside from the Solanke article, I have another one coming out this week called uh, Liverpool's Other Fekirs. have to be careful about how I say that. Uh, it's about uh, some of the smaller transfer deals that are rumoured to be in the works but have sort of been drowned out by the uh, amazing news about Neville Fekir. Okay, cool stuff. As me, I've got an article out at the moment talking about the, the summer transfer window and how I don't think we're going to see Liverpool bringing in or getting rid of many players. I just think it will be in terms of quality rather than numbers. So I think we'll only, maybe only bring in two or three, maybe only ship out two or three, but they should be significant upgrades in quality. Um, other than that, as there are just the usual plugs, I've got to keep plugging AI Pro. There's a brilliant one month subscription, one month free subscription out at the moment and it's a, there's a phenomenal, you know, array of, array of shows that are out there that are really, really good to listen to. So go and listen to an AI Pro Pod, and then if you feel like it's worth it, obviously get the uh, get the full subscription. And of course, I've got to, got to keep plugging this show because this this show is really, really uh, personal to me and Liam. We do a lot of hard work for the show. We get fantastic guys on. We've got so many great writers producing great content all the time. And thank you so much for both of you guys for coming on. And as ever, thank you so much for everyone who is out there listening. And we will be back next week, same time. Okay, see you then.
Podcast Network.